What a beautiful name. A big change, isn't it, from the world which says Jesus Christ to the believers saying, Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful change. What a wonderful name. Good morning, church. Um, I want to tell you, yesterday, we're, saying we're not, not going to talk about the silly game that you people think believe in. <laughs> uh, uh, Bev, my wife, went to see Mary Poppins. And uh, she came home buzzing, I think that would be uh, the world. She said she was just humming, she was so joyful. And she said, I've spent three and a half hours just enjoying great music, a great crowd that was supportive, the, music, the uh, actors, the, what do you call it? the performers were just wonderful, they're so interactive, the thing. And she came home saying, oh, it's just so nice in the crazy world that we live in to go into to see something which is wholesome and pure and comes from a, you know, different, a different age when perhaps maybe more people believed in God, there was a sense of something about family was more together, there was a whole lot of different things. But just to come back and feel refreshed by that. And, uh, um, yeah, it's just... It's just, it's just a, a, we have just this amazing awareness of God, but it reminds us that not all that happens to us and around us is negative. And we get so much rubbish thrown at us at the moment, doesn't it? And it, it's uh, uh, the world is really flying upside down. And it uh, um, reminds us that we will not, as Kathy reminded us the other day, we will not receive all that we're looking for on the horizontal. We look to people, we look to governments, we look to uh, different things to meet our deepest needs, but it's only when we look vertically to God that we find the source. And I'd have to say this year would be my 50th year since Jesus revealed himself to me. And the Lord has been, yeah, it's 50 years, isn't it? It's great. <laughs> Happy birthday. No. Um, but what, what an absolute joy in those 50 years. The Lord has done me no, good, no harm. He's done me nothing but good. And uh, I just re- really, I'm just, uh, I just want to be thankful. I woke this morning and thought, what am I going to pray about? Being thankful. That God is a God of, of grace. He's a God of love. He's the God, as we've heard, the, the 50 names of, of the Lord Jesus. And that fact, how he's changed my life. He rescued me. I think without Lord Jesus, I would be probably an alcoholic. Uh, I doubt I'd still be here. Uh, God has come to me. He's accepted me. He's loved me. He's restored me. He's my redeemer. He's my, my king. He's, and uh, anybody else like to say something? Hallelujah. Well, that's right. He's a wondrous, wondrous God. And uh, I'm just so grateful. And you look around and you think, yep, well, keep looking up. From, for, we look to the Lord from whence our help comes. And, and I work just with joy this morning. For he's only done me good. And for most of us here, we only know the Lord who is, who is gracious. He's slow to anger. <laughs> he's gracious to us. So what I wanted to pray around was Psalm 23. And I now understand the older we get, uh, the more meaningful the name of Jesus becomes, the more we understand his sacrifice, the more we lean into who he is and understand his grace, um, the more exciting it becomes. And so you, you think of Psalm 23. It's lasted for millennia. That's over 2,000 years. More than that, isn't it? Why it's been such a popular psalm with Christians through the ages, we find there's so much truth in it. Let me read it to you as a prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And where am I going to live? Where are we going to live? In the house of the Lord together. So, oh God, we do thank you, Lord, that you have a perfect plan. Lord, sometimes we get confused by what we see around us. and We see a world in turmoil. We see a world that uh, has rejected you. And yet, Lord, there's nothing new in that. And yet to those uh, you came, uh, to those that received you, to them, you gave them the power to become sons of God, sons and daughters of the living God. So, our God, we thank you. We thank you for King David, not a perfect man, but, Lord, a man that loved you and came to trust you and to see your grace extended to him. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the wonderful words of Scripture that have lasted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that still encourage us, that give us hope, that turn our eyes to you, our Lord, our great shepherd. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, encourage us this day as we contemplate your goodness, as we look up, not just sideways, but as we look up. We look up to you, our great God. We worship you this day. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Come and share some more on the kingdom of God. Bless you. Thank you, Mike. The, uh, the line in that psalm that stood out to me was that he refreshes our souls. Amen, that he refreshes our souls. And my prayer this morning is that if you've come in need of refreshing, that you'd be refreshed. Uh, and that's not done through any trickery. It's not, not done through any power in myself or any stage lighting or anything like that. That happens through the grace of God uh, who's present here with us. And so I just want to pray that as we, as we begin. Uh, Lord, thank you that you are here Thank you that you do love us. Thank you that you are for us. And uh, Lord, if uh, there are people here whose souls need refreshing, uh, need to become alive again in you, Lord, we pray that your presence be evident, Lord, that you'd be speaking to their hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, that they'd be open to your sweet voice, speaking, encouraging, lifting up, and blessing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, been a while since I've been able to say that. Uh, uh, if you are new or if you're online, perhaps, uh, my name's Sam. I'm the pastor here. And you might be saying, who is this person getting up? Because uh, the church has been going on for quite some time while we've been on leave, having uh, our seventh little bubs. And I just wanted to start by saying thank you so much, church, for the way that you have supported us. Uh, the way that you have cooked meals, the way that you have prayed for us. Uh, it's just been wonderful to be know that we've got such supportive uh, people behind us uh, as, as we were on leave. The plan was that we were going to have three weeks because that's what we've previously done with babies. And the, the board and the leadership team said, no, no, you guys have been going hard. Have, have a longer time and put things in place to enable us to have a long time off. And boy, did we need it uh, because it was, it was pretty tough. Um, you know, we've done this six times before, so you think, 
hey, we know what we're doing. Uh, this, is, this is what you do and this is how it is. But this has been nothing like any of our, our other children. It's been uh, just in a different location. Uh, story was half the size of our smallest baby. So, um, you know, a lot of anxiety over that and, and feeding things and just a lot of rain and the kids inside a small house. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot, a lot going on. So first of all, thank you so much for your support. I know there's been lots of you praying for us and just knowing that that's behind us has been really helpful. Secondly, thank you to all who stepped up uh, in our absence. We uh, are tuned in every now and then online just to, to see and be amazed at the breadth of knowledge and gifts that we have in the life of our church and that people have been able to step up and share that in our absence. And it's just a great reminder that this church isn't just about one person, but we are a body and we all can share and we all have uh, something to participate in and it just comes across even in you know youth group the the sense of people sharing and and the kids getting to know people in the church I just think it's just so wonderful to see the body at work so thank you so much I really we really appreciate that uh, the, the plan that was put in place was that this morning was going to be Mission Sunday. Uh, if you got the news sheet, you might have noticed that. Um, but uh, John Callis, who was going to come and share, he's away in Queensland. And John from Ghana, he's travelling, um, doing conferences in Ghana at the moment. So, so we had to postpone that. And so we made the call. No, we're going to continue on uh, with the theme of the kingdom of God. Thanks, Suresh. That's good, mate. Um, the kingdom of God has been on on the menu, and uh, you know, I was I was I was listening in, and I was thinking, "Hey, it'd be great to talk about this. It'd be great to talk about that." And then someone shared that, and then someone else shared that, and maybe now and not yet. And then Ben Maddock got up and did that. So, oh. so I thought, well, let's have a look potentially then at what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, because. For Jesus, the kingdom of God was one of his central themes. It was his main message. He came to proclaim that he was the Messiah. He was the coming uh, one who to bring in his kingdom. And in Matthew's gospel alone, Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God 52 times. So I was thinking, hey, maybe... There's, there's a year preaching plan, 52 weeks of the year. We could just do one of those just in, in Matthew's gospel alone. But in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus uh, speaks seven parables where he teaches on what the kingdom of God is like to an audience that was asking that question because the audience had a perception of what God's kingdom would be like. And Jesus in his parables was correcting them and showing them that Jesus' kingdom is perhaps not what you think it is. And so we want to just focus on that this morning. And I'm going to take the shortest of those, the mustard seed parable. Uh, and it's only a few verses, but it packs a punch. Um, but this morning, I've just got a sense that at the end, um, that the Lord's really wanting to speak to a, a number of people uh, number one, there might be someone here who's feeling insignificant and you feel like you don't make a difference uh, in the world and that you look around and you see other people, you see gifts, you see uh, charisma, you see uh, potential of what other people are capable of doing and you look at yourself and go, what have I got to offer? I feel so small, I feel insignificant, I feel like I'm a nothing. 
I want to pray for you at the end because that's not how God sees you and that's not uh, your part in, in the body of Christ. You have a part to play and what you do, it matters. Even though it might be small, it, look, God can turn that into something immense and big. And secondly, you might be feeling like you've been going on a bit of a, a turntable asking and praying and asking for God to move in a certain area. And you've we've been wanting him to just break something, to, to grow more. You've been feeling stagnant or there's someone that you're praying for and you're just not seeing that move of God happen. I want to, I want to pray for you as well at the end. So just be listening. Perhaps the Lord's going to speak to you and that, that might be, be you. But before we get into the text, I just want to just look at the concept of parables because Jesus spoke in parables. Jesus was a, a masterful storyteller. We know that. But uh, modern science has caught up with the fact that Jesus knew what he was doing. Fancy that. Um, neuroscientists talk about something called uh, neural coupling. And neural coupling is where if I'm giving information, I'm engaging a certain part of my brain to, as I'm doing right now, and I'm thinking about that, is I'm engaging a certain part of my brain to, to get information out. Now, for you, the certain part of your brain to hear that information is a different part of your brain that I'm using to, to do that. However, when I talk about story, when I talk about my experience, or when I talk about, hey, this is what happened to me this week, and the information is couched in a story, my brain's area and your brain's area are the same. And so there's this coupling that is happening. In the same way, uh, we've discovered that, you know, Jesus used pictures. Parables are, are picture stories. And uh, there's this uh, book that's been going around that's, that's, uh, that's uh, been, been spoken of a lot. We, we've heard of TED Talks. It's, it's been something that's very popular. People are really interested in TED Talks talks because they're short, they're concise, uh, they're, they're, and, but they use pictures. And this uh, guy who wrote this book called Talk Like Ted says, scientists have produced a mountain of evidence showing concepts presented as pictures instead of words are more likely to be recalled. If you hear information, you're likely to remember 10% of that information three days later. That's why when someone says, hey, how was church? Yeah, it was great. What did the preacher talk about? Yeah, it was good, but I can't remember. Um, but add a picture, however, and your recall rate was sort of 65%. So to put that in context, a picture will help you remember something six times more information than listening with words alone. And I was thinking about this, and uh, I was thinking that's why I remember the concept that Dan Potter was talking about when he was talking about how we sort of have this infatuation with something and then it dwanes. And then we have an infatuation, like we get excited about something. And when he was talking about technology and he put up that picture of Moses parting the Red Sea that AI did. Like I remember that picture. And, and because I remember that picture, I remember what he was talking about. And so uh, we, we know this to be true because we have the phrase, a picture is like... A thousand words, and it's just so true. It's why we like cameras. It's like we like showing people what's going on in our lives through photos. I think that's why emojis have become so powerful and used recently because you say, you know, 
how you're going at the moment, you can just send a photo of a face going, and I know what you mean. Or how about this one? Right? (laughs) This picture is (laughs) telling a thousand words. In fact, I heard of a story this week of a thumbs up actually being uh, legally a binding contract. Someone, Someone said a thumbs up to a boss and the boss took them to court saying, you said yes to this. Because of the thumbs up, so there you go. Watch out for that one. Um, but in so a, a picture, ex, it, it uh, saves a lot of explaining. It saves a lot of words to be used, and and Jesus was a master at this. But back in the day, there were no cameras, there were no emojis. But Jesus painted pictures in people's minds by teaching with story, which is literally what parable means. In the Greek, the parable means to cast alongside, that is to take an abstract spiritual truth that it might be hard to get, and if we put a story or a picture alongside that from a normal world, it makes that abstract thing make sense in our minds. So, for example, you might want to describe to someone what beauty is. How do you use words to describe what beauty is? But point them to a, a sunset or a beautiful flower and you say, that was what beauty is. Ah, I, now I get it. And Jesus was so good at this uh, because he used very common pictures, very common things at the time. A, a farmer went out to sow, sow seed. Oh, I've seen that. A fisherman was casting in it. Oh, I've seen that. Now, he didn't say, uh, the kingdom of God is like the Milky Way. And they're like, what's the Milky Way? I don't understand what you're talking about. They used very common stories in order that when they saw those stories being played out, their minds would be reminded of the truth. A bit like that story with Dan with AI. As they saw that picture again being played out, they would go, ah, that farmer's sowing seed. What is the state of my heart? Where is the soil of my heart at? Am I receptive to what God's doing right now? So that's the power of parable. And I, this happened for me recently. I was at Bunnings, my favourite place to be. And for those who know, I'm always talking about Bunnings. And we were looking at getting a new doormat. And I was going through all the doormats and I normally go by price first because, you know, that's me. Uh, and I came across this. And straight away my mind came to our tree of life and the, the year that we were back in the school where we, we spent a year going deeper in the things of God. And I saw that, that mat and I said, I've got to get that because it straight away draw me back into the reality of what God had spoken to us and, and, and shared with us about. So that's a long introduction, I know. But I want to do that because I want this picture to stay with you. As we talk about the mustard seed, you might be uh, having dinner and, and p- pass the mustard, and as you do that, you go, ooh, the mustard seed, and allow that picture and this parable and the truth of what Jesus is saying to, to continue to change you and transform you. So let's read this parable together. It's found in Matthew 13, 31 to 32. He told them another picture story, a parable, The kingdom of heaven, thats or you can say the kingdom of God, those two are interchangeable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it was the smallest of all seeds, 
Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, uh, if you've been around a bit, you might have noticed that there's often been very two major objections to Jesus' teaching here in the parable. In fact, sceptics love to pick up on Jesus here. Jesus is supposed to be all-knowing. He's supposed to be uh, you know, a very good teacher. How does he not know that the mustard seed isn't the smallest seed? There are other seeds that are smaller than the mustard seed. So that's the first objection lots of people have. The second one is the mustard doesn't turn into a tree. It turns into a bush. So what on earth is going on here, Jesus? What are you, what are you talking about, say a lot of people? Well, first of all, mustard seed was a proverbial term in the time of Jesus. It was used to talk about something small. So if you were to talk, they had a saying that it was a small drop of blood as small as a mustard seed. Or if I was to have a run-in with the law, it's only a small mustard seed run-in with the law. So there's this proverbial term that, that means it's something that is is small. And Jesus used it in a the proverbial again in Matthew 17 when he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So it's not saying that it's the smallest of seeds, but it's, it's a, a term that means that something is small. Uh, but also, if you look at the word for mustard, which is sinapi, turn to the person next to you and say sinapi. So there you go. Next time you're at the table, you can say pass the sinapi and you can feel very good about yourself that you know Greek. Um, the, the word sinapi is the general term for mustard. It's not a specific type of mustard. It's just a, a general concept of mustard. And if we look at the two options available in Israel at the time for mustard, we have the brassica nigra or the nicotania glaucia. So isn't this interesting? You come for Bible teaching and you get a botany lesson. You don't know what's going to happen when you come to church. So this is the common black mustard, which is the, the Brassia nicra. So and it's, the, and it's spread all through Israel. If you go there, you'd see fields and fields of these yellow flowers that, that um, you get the black mustard seed from. And here's the common mustard. As you can see, it's not a very small seed. The second type of mustard that a general mustard can fall under is, uh, and you can see it's a bush, it's not a tree, is this one. And as you can see, it takes the form of a tree and it has flowers on it. And within those flowers, the seeds of the Nicotania glaucia come out and they are incredibly small. Have a look at that. Absolutely tiny. But here's the point. It doesn't matter what type of mustard Jesus is talking about. It's the concept that matters. And that is that the, within the mustard seed is an immense potential for growth. Inside something so small in this thing, there is the potential for massive amount of growth. Is it the smallest of seeds in the garden? No. But does it have the most capacity for the largest growth compared to the size of the seed? Yes, the mustard seed. And that is the point that Jesus 
is making. That is the picture that he is painting in the concept of the kingdom of God. Because people had this concept of what the kingdom of God was going to be. The Messiah was promised to come. And so they believed that in this this world that they had of Roman rule and they wanted to get back to how things was, that Messiah was going to come with military power and big pomp and big circumstance and and big show and take over because that's what you see in kingdoms everywhere. If someone wants to take over, this is how they do it. And they make a big show of themselves. But Jesus is saying, that's not how my kingdom works. What you see as maybe insignificant, healing the sick, looking after the poor, what's all that about, Jesus? Um, loving your neighbour, loving your enemies, that's, that's not big kingdom stuff. That's small, that's insignificant. Jesus is saying precisely. But in that is the huge potential for growth. My kingdom, it may look insignificant. It may look small. What I'm doing may seem like nothing at all, but you wait. You watch it grow. You watch it expand. And we think, wow, Jesus, a man who was around for three years, died on a cross, was, was put in a tomb, was raised to life. It's a little story. It seems nothing. It seems kind of insignificant in comparison to, to things that we see happening around us. And yet that small mustard seed act grew and grew and grew into the kingdom that we see today, evident. And we saw that all through our series of acts, didn't we? Where people tried to, to squash the disciples and a new one would be raised up and they couldn't stop this spread like wildfire of the kingdom coming and the kingdom having its effect. So that's the mustard seed principle that don't look down on the small, don't look down on the insignificant, don't look down on what you you might seem doesn't make a difference because you never know what God might be doing. You never know what God is germinating in the soil of that small deed under the surface. And so we see that Jesus came to inaugurate his kingdom, and it might have seemed to the people insignificant and small, but it has started this great movement of his kingdom coming here on earth. And I was trying to come up with a, a definition of what is, what is the kingdom of God, and it, you'd come up with like hundreds from different people. But I liked this one that came from a pastor in America, America Brad Gray. He says, The rule and reign of God advancing here on earth, bringing healing and wholeness by chasing out the chaos. And I like this because it's the truth of the fact that God's rule and reign is advancing. It is coming and it is growing like a mustard tree here on earth. And we're seeing glimpses of that in the here but not yet, of healing and wholeness and miracles as God God does stuff. And he's ultimately going to chase out the chaos. Because if we look at a biblical picture of, of the kingdom, 
We know that uh, in, in the beginning God created the world and it was good and it was pleasing and it was whole. There was shalom. Uh, we get that word peace and we've talked about that before. That's not just an absence of chaos, uh, absence of conflict or, or an inner peace. It's, it's a sense of wholeness and completeness and rightness. And don't we all long for that? But we know that the world is broken and yet and there's this longing for completeness and wholeness. And so we have this broken world uh, with all sorts of, uh, and we just look around you, pain and suffering and, and anger and torment and, and stuff going wrong. And there's this longing for God's kingdom to come and for this shalom to be restored, for this wholeness. And so the, the whole of the Bible is pointing towards this Messiah who's going to bring about his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus comes and he announces that the God's kingdom is here, it is now, because I have come as the king of this kingdom to announce this rule and reign of God that was not yet, but it was advancing. And now we live in that in-between state of the now and the not yet where Jesus has inaugurated his kingdom and we see glimpses of that rule and reign of that shalom, and yet there's still this brokenness that we deal and live with. And yet we know, don't we? We we sang it this morning uh, in all of the songs. You know, He's coming on the clouds. Kingdoms, kings and kingdoms will be down. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. That's that's the future, as His rule and reign comes and takes over forever. And and that's what we we long for, and look forward to with all hope and and certainty. And so the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Here's the picture that Jesus is painting. You know, we might think um, doing this small thing here, praying for this person, meeting with this person, um, you know, it might seem compared to what the world says small and insignificant, but we don't know what God's doing with that and how he's going to grow it into a mighty tree. I heard of a, of a pastor who went to Israel and he, he went on a trip to the Holy Land and he brought back with him uh, all these samples of dirt from the different areas and he also had some seeds and had some mustard seeds in a, in a snap lock bag. And, of course, you come to customs and they, they do the, the question, have you got anything to declare? And he was honest, yes. Yeah, I've got some, some dirt from the Holy Land, and he explained to the customs, you know, this is so significant to me. It's, you know, personally important. You know, I want to you know, hold the dirt that Jesus walked on, and, and here's the seeds that Jesus talked about in this parable. And the customs guy looked at him and said, you're not having any of it. He's like, oh, please, please, like this is just so important to me. Look, I promise that I'll take the dirt and I'll put it in a glass jar with a cork in the top, and, 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 you know, no dirt will get out and contaminate anything. And, and the, the customs guy said, are you going to promise that you're going to do that? He said, I'll let you have the dirt if you do that, but you're not having the seeds. Oh, thank you, thank you, I can have the dirt. Oh, but just, just a question, why can't I have the seeds? And he said, because if any of those seeds get into the ground here, there's potentially nothing stopping them taking over. And the pastor thought, wow, that 
is the whole point of this mustard seed principle. Although it might be small, once it gets there, it has the power to take over. And imagine that, that meadow again. You know, one seed could, could do that. Just one. And you're just one seed. And you have the potential to do that. And there might be the government might come and say, well, we need to deal with this and we're going to bring our diggers in and we're going to bulldozer it. We're going to bring some new soil in and we're going to try and eradicate the mustard bush. And they might try. It only takes one seed to grow again. And we might look at the world around us right now and we might think, man, there's some big diggers and bulldozers coming in to try and take out God's kingdom, try and take out the things that Jesus is preaching about. And, and I don't know about you, but as I'm looking at about this day and age, there's a lot going on in our world and there's a lot of bulldozering, there's a lot of eradicating, but it just takes one more seed to start it all again and be encouraged in that that we don't know what God's doing under the surface. We don't know what he is germinating. And I don't know about you, but even in the midst of all that's happening in our world, who knows what God's doing? Who knows what, how God's going to use that to bring about his kingdom purposes in our world? I believe that all of this is going to come crashing down and people are going to be saying, what was all that about? What is truth? What is reality? Where are the people who stood up for it all the way through the beginning? I'm going to go ask them the question, which is why it's important that we be ready for an answer for the hope that we have and that we hold true to what Jesus spoke about and not be swayed with the wings of, winds of the tide. And so the kingdom might have seemed small to Jesus' audience that Jesus inaugurated But inside that gospel mustard seed was an immense potential for growth. And so the whole concept of this principle is relevant to what Jesus speaks about when he speaks about the kingdom, but it's also relevant when when it comes to following Jesus because inside you is an immense potential for growth. I look at my little baby over there. She's small. But inside her is everything that's needed to grow into a grown adult. And that's physically. But in the same way, uh, spiritually and and ministry-wise, inside you is immense potential for growth and because of growth, therefore, fruitfulness. And you might be looking at your life and you might be thinking, oh, but me, I'm just... I'm just insignificant. I'm just, I'm just small. I, I don't have what it takes. Inside you is immense potential. And in the small things, God can use to grow into something far beyond what you can imagine. So this is rela- uh, relatable in many ways. Uh, number one, in my life, 
oh, if I'm to spend time with the Lord, if I'm to read the word, if I'm to, to share with a friend, if I'm to spend some time alone, those are small, insignificant. They don't matter. They don't, they don't, that, that doesn't do anything. Yes, it does. Continue in the small, continue in the little, because watch God use that to grow you and to work through you. Secondly, as you go about your Christian life, as you go about sharing, you might think, oh, catching up with coffee with this person, uh, just sharing a word of devotion that God spoke to me with someone across the aisle at church, that's nothing, that's small, that doesn't make a difference. That's a mustard seed. And watch what God does to use that to grow into a large tree. You see, one of the images in the Bible of the tree, particularly if you look in Daniel and Ezekiel, is the tree was, was a picture of power, like Nebuchadnezzar was a tree, was power. And I don't know if you knew this, but birds were often referred to as something that was not of God. And in that parable, the tree becomes the kingdom, the mustard seed becomes a tree and the, even the non-things of God were blessed by that tree. And it's the same in our lives. And Jim, Jim spoke about this last week. Inside you is the potential. Your story is important. As you paint your picture of why, what God has done in your life and as you share that, that God takes that and uses it for his purposes. And even people who don't know him are blessed by that picture and by that story. So I want to um, invite the, the music team up. And we're going to s- sing a song. But before we do that, I just want to go back to what I had a sense of this morning. There's those two types of people. You, know, you might have be someone who's maybe grown up in the church. Uh, you've longed to be used. You've longed to, to see God work through you. And, but you think of yourself as nothing. You think of yourself as insignificant. I want to declare over you this morning that you are someone, that you are a you have the mustard seed potential inside of you to make a difference in your world, in your workplace, in your school. As, as the world and as people say, is that all you've got? Say, so, yeah, that's all I've got. But you watch. You watch what God's going to do. Because God wants to work through you. God wants to use you and your story. God wants to use your weaknesses. He wants to use who you are for his purposes in the kingdom. So be encouraged to walk out of here this morning, changed, that God's going to motivate you and, and inspire you to not look at yourself that way, but to see yourself as something beautiful and usable. And secondly, 
for someone here, you've been wanting God to move. You've either got a personal thing in your, your own life or there's an extended thing in your, in your personal life. And, and you've been, been saying, God, the mustard seed started. When's the tree coming? <laughs> I want to pray for you too. So can we start the song? And uh, we're going to set out some, some chairs here down the, down the front this morning. And if that's you, if you feel... I want to make a difference in this world. I I want to go into my workplace. I want to go into my family. I want to go into my neighbourhood, and I want to I want to be used for God's kingdom. But I don't know what I can do. I don't see myself like I, I could be. Would you come out the front and would we pray with you? Because God wants to use you. God wants to use you and your circumstances and your experiences to do a kingdom work in this world. And secondly, if you've come this morning and you've just been longing for God to move and you just haven't seen that break yet and you want to grow, and we see God move. Would you come as well? And we'd pray for you too. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the principle of the mustard seed. Though it be the smallest of seeds, yet when it's planted in the ground, it becomes a tree that even the birds rest in its branches. Lord, thank you for the way that you taught this picture. And may we be reminded that you are interested in the small things. You are interested in the insignificant. You are interested in what the world looks down upon because you take that seed and you germinate it and you do things that we can't even imagine. You do things that we don't think are possible and because that's all of your power at work, not because of us, not because of our cleverness, not because of our strength and power and charisma, But Lord, you are at work and your spirit is germinating something in us to grow us, to change us, to develop us into all that you're calling us to be. And so, Lord, for those who feel small, those who feel insignificant, we just pray for them this morning that they would come. And for those longing for that breakthrough where they feel like they've sowed the seed, they feel like they've been faithful in the small, they've been faithful in praying, and they're yet to see that tree break out of the ground. Lord, would you just come this morning, encourage, uplift, uh, uh, make possible the things of God in this space, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we sing? And I encourage you, if you want to come forward, Ali's going to pray. I'm going to be there to pray as well. And just use this song, use this time for the Lord to continue to speak to your heart, to to grow and cultivate the receptiveness of the soil of your heart as as we sing. Let's sing together.
thank you, Sam, and thank you for everyone for joining us today. That brings us to a close, but if you would like prayer for anything, please come down the front or even come to the prayer room. There'll be someone there who would love to pray with you. Have a wonderful week. Please join us for a coffee, and God bless. Thank you. Thank you.